Hey, welcome, folks. Santa Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. You can read their fantastic work at The Athletic, and uh, you can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. We are here today to talk about a variety of baseball-related things, even um, you know, in the literal absence of baseball. There's, there's still always interesting stuff to get into. Uh, before we do that, though, I got to throw a little bit of a curveball. Hey, there's a uh, baseball thing at you guys. Do you ever notice, by the way, I got I got two two totally unrelated uh, tangents here now because the other just popped in my head. You ever notice how many sports aphorisms we use in daily life, including people who don't like follow sports at all, like threw you a curveball is just it's a hundred percent usage across uh, all people who don't follow baseball at all. That's just kind of. You know, it's cool how indelibly imprinted that has become on our language. I just wanted to note that. It's something but that, that wasn't the. It's it's funny that you say that, Brett, because it's something that my mom used to point out when I was growing up. Because obviously, she grew up in India and they didn't have a bunch of baseball, uh, you know, sayings that they just threw into everyday language. And uh, and when she came to this country, she noticed as her kids were growing up that all these baseball. <laughs> uh, phrases were being thrown into just daily talk and, and she thought it was so interesting how sports uh, were, were so heavily influenced uh, so heavily influenced the English language in this country so yeah. it's, it's uh, I've definitely it's something that my mom pointed out to me years ago well in all seriousness you almost want to start to t- like we do it habitually not because we're sports writers but because we've grown up in the United States but you almost do want to take note of when you do it because it's it's like oh that's that is like total secondary you know second nature for us but might not be for everybody so anyway uh for any listeners of course the curveball is an off-speed uh breaking pitch thrown to you know confuse and deceive the hitter who might be expecting fastball and therefore the expression is that you're kind of changing things up uh okay so now I feel really guilty doing the uh, the the other like tangent thing that I wanted to hit on, but but it's sort of fun and delightful, and I think people will enjoy that here at the outset. Anyway, I just saw a headline that was talking about um, heading into uncharted waters, and I had always used the expression uncharted waters, and I realized from a literal perspective both could be correct. You could you actually they both uh, you know explain the same. Um, metaphor, but am, am I wrong? Isn't it uncharted waters? Is this is this like Joe Madden saying overtly every single time when ov- overtly would have just been fine? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, which one is more like fancy? They're both. I mean, I feel like uncharted is a little fancier than uncharted. Yes, like I'm just. Speaking I think to that's the what's people. happening here. This the headline writers have Joe Madden disease. Is what's going on. Okay, we'll take it up with Wayne Dre's uh, good good friend, but uh, it's it should be uncharted. Wayne, come on! Uh, all right, now we can talk about baseball. So, um, speaking of uh, you know the the opportunities that we have for for a little bit of fun right now, um, obviously the baseball season, like many other sports right now, is is delayed for an undetermined amount of time, and that of course is not fun. Both for the very serious reasons that it's delayed, but also for the fact that uh, tomorrow, we're recording this on Wednesday, tomorrow was to be opening day in baseball. And of course, 
it will not be for some considerable length of time thereafter. Um, but, you know, anytime you have, what do you want to call it, time that you didn't know you were going to have, it, it presents an opportunity to kind of st- take a step back and think about um, things that in the the rush of what would be the regular season, you might not have an opportunity or even an interest in seriously contemplating. And so I was very interested uh, this morning, Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark at The Athletic put up a series of articles um, on topics kind of connected to the the delay in, in baseball season. But the one that really caught my eye and that I thought would be really fun for us to get into uh, was an article about just um, – You've got this delay. The season's going to be wonky and different no matter what you do. It just is. What are some ways that the sport could have a little fun with the opportunity that's been presented by this otherwise horrible crisis to either experiment with things they've been interested in, to just kind of uh, rejuvenate the interest uh, among fans? Um, I I really encourage folks to check it out at The Athletic when you have a chance. But um, I thought it'd be fun to bounce a couple of these off uh, of you guys, the ones that really stuck out to me, um, and, and, you know, get your feeling on whether it was practical, interesting, do, you know, whatever. Um, because I think that the, the one thing, the one broader conception of this that sticks with me is, you know, you never know if you do something kind of fun and crazy because of the circumstances and you realize, oh, the people really like this. Maybe we should experiment with this on a longer term basis. And, um, you know, I just, I find that very interesting. So, um, one that jumped out to me is this idea that because we might have a shortened, uh, chronological time frame to fit in a season, but everybody's interested in fitting in as many games as possible. Well, that might mean some extra double headers, right? Um, and, we have this conflicting interest in keeping players healthy, safe, um, not too worn down by the end. Well, what about what they do in the minor leagues when there is a doubleheader pops up? They play seven innings. Both games, same day, doubleheader, but just seven innings apiece. And it kind of preserves a little bit of health. Is that um, something you guys could see having broad appeal and interest? Or is that just like too sacrosanct to mess with even in a wonky season? That's it, it, it's a little tough for me to wrap my mind around not playing nine inning games. Uh, honestly, the <laughs> this is such the reporter in me. I'm like, all right, who's going to be the first reporter to complain about all the doubleheaders to dying for baseball to return? And, and somebody's just going to be like, really? Seven doubleheaders? All my Sundays are just gone now? <laughs> I, just, I can't wait to hear who it's going to be. <laughs> He leaves it there. He's like, I, I love the. I, I think we're all kind of mentally cycling through. It's yeah. like, all right, power rankings of who's going to be bitching mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the schedule whenever baseball. I can, I can imagine that tweet. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, no, you can jump on it, Mooney. You can admit that it's it's going to be you. No. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I kind of went back and forth on this in terms of. You know, Rob Manford, while not uh, overwhelmingly popular, I do think he has recognized some of baseball's problems and he has not maybe gone about it in a particularly elegant way. And maybe some of it uh, are just baseball's entrenched issues. But I think if we're being honest, uh, 
there are a lot of boring points within any major league game with in an extremely long season. Uh, I think if you're following the Cubs, you're maybe um, sheltered from it a little bit because there's so much interest in the team. But, you know, there are a lot of nights, whatever, in Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, uh, Miami, when it's just like you look around and, you know, there's no crowds, not a ton of interest. And I think, you know, this is an opportunity for Major League Baseball to maybe reinvent itself uh, a little bit. And, you know, I think inevitably, I mean, hopefully baseball returns, you know, around July or, or whatever. That seems to be maybe like a an optimistic uh, scenario or at least not totally out of the question uh, at this point in a really fast-moving situation. But, yeah, I think anything they can do to kind of like – spark more interest in the game like now is the time to put every crazy idea you ever had and jason stark has always been really good about writing those types of columns of just like you know wacky stuff or outside the box unconventional and i thought this entire package that ken and jason did um hopefully you know the players union uh and you know the Park Avenue office, uh, MLB headquarters are thinking the same way, but I think I forget which story it was. They had like four of them, but there's this one great anonymous quote, I think from an agent being like, these two sides can't agree on whether or not a player can wear all black cleats. And now they're going to try and like reinvent the wheel. And of course you think of, you know, Ben Zobris and that like, you know, just dumb, you know, manufactured controversy of like, they they care about like the s- smallest stupid things things it's it's really hard to think that they have the creativity and like the imagination and the sense of cooperation to totally kind of reboot baseball but you know if if they can't do it now it's never going to happen yeah i mean you you touch on so this this was there's actually an entire separate article on this idea that the sides are compelled to come together right now because they've got to negotiate almost like a mini CBA just to cover this season, you know, how you're going to address a number of issues because of the change in the season. And since you're already forced to be at the table and since you're already confronting a situation where things are going to change no matter what, why not also entertain um, longer term talks, both on, you know, issues about the game, but also, you know, typical CBA discussions, financial things, service time, tanking, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, at a time when the CBA is set to expire after next season. Of course, my rejoinder to that, and this, this they do get into this in the article, um, is that it, to me, it's less a matter of the sides, you know, they can never agree on anything right now. It's such a tumultuous time in the relationship between the players and the league. So, of course, they can't come to a deal. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe they could, since, again, crazy times and they're already forced to be at the table. But the issue that I see is we're entering a phase where nobody is going to have a reasonable grasp on the economic fallout from this situation that will extend, you know, it will dramatically impact this year, but almost certainly will extend into 2021. And so it's very hard for me to imagine the sides being able um, for very understandable reasons to be able to put together long-term um, kind of holistic plans because nobody knows what the financial picture is going to look like in a couple of years. So I, I did dig the idea though, that um, 
you know, Rosenthal and Stark put in the article of maybe, maybe it'd be a good time to just like extend the current CBA for one year so that there's a little bit of clearance to buy time from the negotiating perspective and to get a little better handle of like, okay, here, here's what the ramifications were of, of what happened in 2020. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. As far as uh, we have no clue what baseball will look like a year from now, and uh, I mean just the world in general. So how can you uh, start negotiating what was supposed to be a very contentious uh, situation and and figure all that out when you have so much more to figure out right now? What I I guess we're we're all the same age pretty much. So I don't know if how much you guys read about this before, but I had no clue that in '81 they started the season. It was a strike shortened season, if I remember my history well enough. But I I didn't know they started it with the All Star Game, uh, which I thought was that was I I love that idea because I keep what what keeps me positive right now is just like when baseball starts, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be it fun as hell for everyone and i keep it like coming back to that about when that moment arrives we're going to be all amped up as writers the fans are just going to be i mean for so many other reasons as well everyone's going to be excited for this uh starting with the all-star game a game that they've been searching to bring back that luster of the 80s and maybe uh, and prior uh it just doesn't it's not there as much maybe the home run derby has gotten a little more fun over the last few years but it's hard to really say that the All-Star game has that buzz, but that's a, that'd be a fun way, at least for one year, it would be the event yet again, uh, which it hasn't been for decades. So I, that, that was probably of all the ideas, that's the one that seems the easiest to re- really wrap your arms around and say, okay, you're not tinkering with the nine-inning game, you're not adding a second a base runner at second base for extra innings. It isn't... You know, these quirky ideas that Manfred's had that traditionalists have pushed back against. I, I appreciate what Manfred has done from the beginning. I know a lot of people get annoyed with it instantly. But the fact that he's constantly thinking outside the box uh, and and willing to put up any put any idea out there is something that I've always appreciated, even if I'm just like, wow, that's kind of a terrible idea. And I wish you would have just kept that in-house. <laughs> but uh, uh, for the most part, I you know, I, I appreciate that willingness, and and this idea is one that I can't imagine anyone being upset about or saying how you know how can you start the All Star Game, how can you start the season with the All Star Game. Uh, that that one was the one for me that, when I think about it, I I think it, it's that will get the most buzz and uh, most acceptance among fans. Scott Boris also gave an interesting interview to the L.A. Times and resurface an idea that he stumped for for a long time of like a neutral site world series at least for a couple days to try and create um that super bowl type of feel uh and bring in you know celebrities and corporate partnerships and the entire baseball industry and kind of create you know almost like a mini winter meetings or kind of another version uh of the all-star game and i think you know, Brett, you've probably written about this uh, like at Bleacher Nation, you know, years ago of like, you know, that might sound good in theory, but what if you were like a Cubs fan, you know, waiting more than 100 years for your team to get into the World Series and it was at like Marlins Park instead of uh, <laughs> Wrigley Field. But uh, I do think, I mean, I think Ken Rosenthal reported on this pretty much as MLB was um, 
you know, contemplating or initiating, you know, this shutdown of the idea of kind of warm weather, uh, neutral site sites for the playoffs. And I think, you know, just looking at the calendar, that seems almost like uh, an inevitability if baseball does come back. And I think it'd be interesting to see maybe you expand uh, the playoffs. I think a shortened regular season could create a lot of um, interest. You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, sense of urgency, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, the Cubs would certainly have it uh, in, in that scenario. Well, I want to pause you on that because I, I think the playoff questions are a really interesting subset of this, and I want to get into it. But I, I want to pause for a minute and just remind folks that um, right now you're able to get uh, 40% off an annual subscription um, at The Athletic. It's a good time to do it. Take advantage of that deal while you can. Uh, you know, obviously, tournaments have been canceled. Leagues are suspended. There hasn't been a live game on TV in forever. And um, even though it's really only been like two weeks. Uh, but, the, you know, there's no better reminder of how important sports, sports are, are to our lives than when they disappear entirely. So um, that's why it's nice that The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. We've got at least one of them on this podcast. And in these... Uh, <laughs> You like that? That's how you know. See, that's when you're ad libbing the ad read. Nailed it. So, you know, listening to you, Brett. (laughs) I felt like I had stepped outside for a moment. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to the sponsor booth here. And uh, so, look, no, but seriously, these guys, they do incredible work, incredible writing, incredible reporting, even at a time when it's very difficult to do that. And so, you know, it's a good opportunity to still keep yourself entertained. Uh, save a little money on the subscription and, you know, support a place that, uh, that you love. And so, um, you know, make sure you're heading over to The Athletic. Check out the articles that we're talking about from Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark. Just check out Sahadi's work, Patrick's work. And, uh, you know, I think you're really going to enjoy what you find. So, yeah, head over to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash Waveland and you'll get your 40% off an annual subscription uh, yeah, the games aren't happening now, but the stories are, uh, and that's a deal that, uh, I think, you know, makes everybody happy. So again, theathletic.com slash Waveland, get your deal, support your show, support your, uh, writers and, you know, we'll, we'll continue to be on it no matter what's happening in the sports world. So anyway, back to what we were saying, um, speaking about the sort of evolving times of the sports world, you know, Mooney mentions the postseason and really that conversation is inextricably linked to what happens with the regular season for precisely the reason that Mooney was alluding to, which is the shorter the regular season, the more urgency you have for the regular season, but also the more strong the argument becomes to really alter the typical postseason structure. Because, you know, the thing about baseball, part of the reason that we have 162 games is because it really takes that much to distill out the the playoff worthy teams from the rest it's a unique sport in that regard and you know if you have a 60 or 80 or maybe even 100 game season it's like are we really figuring out the best four five you know however whatever number you choose it uh teams in that stretch or do we need to be a little bit more flexible and include more teams in the postseason and what that naturally got me thinking about was is is the reported 
idea that MLB had anyway coming into the season to try to maybe alter the, the postseason landscape, add an additional team. You know, remember that whole thing about like you pick your opponent in the early rounds. And um, so this was already something that was percolating on Major League Baseball's mind. And so you can't help but think, OK, well, it might be a good idea to alter the postseason right now anyway. How can we sort of harmonize those ideas into something where it's like a preview for fans of like, okay, this is what the world could look like with a different playoff structure. Isn't it great? Yeah, I think that's exactly what they'll pro- likely be uh, working on and discussing with the Players Association. I'm not sure how well the Players Association was responding to the to what you were talking about just now, the, the earlier proposal of altering the postseason. I, I can't remember uh, what it, their feeling was, but I, I feel like it was they were they were kind of uh, uh, at least the early reports were that they weren't all on board on that. Is that am I? Do you remember that, Brett? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. You wrote nobody. About it a ton. He, yeah, I followed it closely. Literally, nobody liked it except me and Rob Manfred. <laughs> <laughs> like that was there. There was your reaction. I was, I, you yeah. know, it came out there, and I was like, dude, I kind of am digging this. And, uh, you know, me and Rob had some beers and we celebrated about our great idea. And then, you know, every single other. And then everybody crapped on it. Was like, this is terrible. How dare you? Yeah. Uh, I'm just yeah, picturing you as like a Manfred, uh, that's like what I recall. dressed up in one of those like Manfred yeah. power suits and like just dye your hair gray. They call me the silver I like fox. It. I like yeah. it. Just you and Manfred. Just hitting the streets together when, when we're allowed to leave our homes. In well, a similarly, we, we filmed Power a buddy lunching. comedy. Yeah. But the but again, the only people who watched it were me and Manfred. So they, they, no, nobody liked that either. <laughs> this is shocking developments. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would be. I, I think this is a perfect time to experiment, especially with the postseason. We've heard so much about it already. I, I think it's it, it makes a ton of sense. I, I think uh, trying to figure out, I think... For me, I'm fascinated by the whole idea of if it's a two-month baseball season or something like that, two-and-a-half-month season, how do you uh, – what teams have an advantage now? Obviously, I'm, not, I'm going beyond, like, the ultra-talented teams obviously always have a, a leg up, right? The, the Dodgers uh, are arguably the most talented team on paper. They're, they should have, a, you know, assuming that they don't have a weird stretch uh, – we know that small sample size is going to screw all of this up, but I wonder if there's if you can look to a specific team and say this team has an advantage to a shorter season, or this these type of players are the type of players that you would want in a shorter season, uh, or you know, or benefit from a shorter season, whatever it is. I'm I'm I would, I'd, I'm curious what talent evaluators, front offices, uh, managers think works best in a shorter season and how you can. Uh, uh, how you can maximize the talent that you have over a two and a half month uh, period rather than a six and a half month period. Yeah, I think since this is a Cubs podcast, I just want to throw out a couple of bullet points from this entire series of stories that they, that Jason and Ken put together of like, you know, I think one interesting way if they are kind of worried about player safety um, and as a way to maybe kind of give back to you know these players who are kind of on the fringe of if you do expand the rosters to whatever 27 28 29 30 players you know you're giving uh you know service time opportunity 
you know, major league salary to, you know, players, you know, who need it. And I think the Cubs do have a lot of kind of interesting pitchers that we've been talking about uh, who, who are on the bubble. Um, you're looking at whether or not they have a draft and the Cubs are picking, I think, their highest in five years. Uh, and then in terms of uh, service time, obviously – Chris Bryant, we already talked about his you know, grievance ad nauseum throughout the offseason. And Javi Baez as well, this kind of class of 2021 that, you know, for years we've been anticipating and a potential just massive talent drain at Wrigley. It'll be fascinating to see how um, that shakes out. And then finally, if, you know, we're playing in front of empty stadiums, you know, I'm curious if something we'll be kind of re- reporting on in the next week or so of like, what does this mean for the Cubs' new TV network if, you know, Marquee is, you know, kind of the place if, you know, mass gatherings, you know, are kind of off the table, you know, throughout the summer? Um, these are just kind of a couple kind of rapid-fire thoughts I had of just reading uh, these excellent stories today on the Athletics uh, MLB page. And we'll have more kind of soon on these topics because, um, you know, we're tentatively expecting um, – uh, the talks to continue between uh, the players in the league. <clears throat> um, I believe Ken Rosenthal has mentioned um, that Thursday, so, so tomorrow as we're recording, um, which was to be the start of the regular season, which was to be the start of players' first pay period, is not a hard deadline to get an interim deal done, but it is sort of a um, – you know, a mental deadline at least to like, okay, we got to figure out some things. And so we would tentatively anticipate having uh, more for you folks soon, um, probably as soon as Friday. We might get another episode out there to you guys. Um, and in the meantime, uh, definitely head over to the athletic, theathletic.com slash Waveland, and you can uh, read those articles from Ken and Jason. Really interesting stuff right now. Um, just about a, a myriad of issues facing the sport and in ways both grave and fun. So check that out. Thanks as always to Sahadev and Patrick uh, and me. Thank you to myself for uh, this uh, <laughs> podcast. And of course, most importantly, thanks to you folks for listening. You can always catch us uh, at the athletic on the app. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, you know, subscribe, rate, review, all that great stuff. And uh, we'll be back at you soon. That's Sahadev Sharma, Patrick Mooney. I'm Brett Taylor. We appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, talk to you again pretty darn soon, I think. Bye.